Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we have a special guest who is a serial entrepreneur who have built three multi-million dollar businesses by the age of 40 and is a worldwide leading authority on business and entrepreneurship. He's also the founder of Seven Stage Advisors, and he has mentored the launch of over 5,000 businesses. He has advised over 100 of the Inc. 500 and 5,000 fastest growing companies. Some of those companies he's helped are companies like Walgreens, Walmart, American Idol, USA Olympic, IBM, and the US, uh, the US Army. Our guest today is the co-author of the Blueprint of Success, which he co-authored with Stephen Covey and Ken Blanchard. And also, he has the best-selling book, The Seven Stages of Small Business Success. Today, we have with us Carl Gold. Carl, how's it going? It's going really good. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So, Carl. Awesome. Uh, man, so this is fantastic. I, I want to, I have so many questions I want to ask you, but first of all, I want to ask you, how does one approach Inc. 500 companies? Uh, do they approach you or are you allowed to approach them? How does that happen? Well, I, when, I'm, when I meet them, they're either already on the list, possibly, or had been on the list, or they're not on the list. Um, and Inc., all it means is this is a company that is a, that's applied for and has received the award for being among the fastest growing companies. And so we actually help them get on it by um, helping them grow their business. And then they, they grow fast enough to qualify for that award. Oh, gotcha. So some of them were not even on the list. You put them there. Okay. Well, we hope we, hope we help them grow and then they applied for it. So mm. it's just an, it's an indicator that, uh, indicator that we um, um, were able to help them uh, grow their business. Okay. And so by the age of 40, you already had three multi-million dollar businesses. How did you start? Uh, what age did you start and why? How did it all happen? Well, the, um, I, I got started very early in my, in my life. I was um, only uh, not just turning 19 years old. I was actually still 18 years old when I started my first business. It was a landscape design company, uh, design build, which means we, we drew the plans and then we installed the, uh, all the plant shrub material and the garden and all that. And um, really, when I got started, I I, re- I liked landscaping. It was a fun business, um, but it was really about hustle. You know, I, I found that if I worked hard and I worked um, faster and harder than the other guy, I got the job. I, you know, and I learned that I out-hustled my competitors to the work. And if I worked harder, I got there first. Then I won. That was the big lesson that I got from business early on was that I, I could hustle my way. Um, I could hustle my way to um, uh, getting the work. It was a great lesson in the beginning because I, you know, I hadn't finished college. I didn't have a lot of entrepreneurial experience. And I was wondering, how am I ever going to be successful at this whole business thing? And here I am being successful at it. And I learned that, you know, it was because I was outworking the other person, not necessarily because I was better, smarter, or I had better connections. I was just, I was just beating them to it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, you know, what's funny is that you are the third entrepreneur on the show that uh, obviously is a multimillionaire and that started with landscaping businesses. It's uh, 
It's very, yeah, it's a very cool stat. So listen, Carl, is it all been smooth sailing since day you started or has there been any failures along the way? Um, yeah, there have been, of course. Um, I, there's things that I've tried. Like when I look back on my business, it was very, my landscaping company was very successful. Um, but I, and, and partially because I, um, I used bold guarantees and bold promises. But one of the things that I realized that was that if I, um, that I actually had two businesses under the same roof and had I been a little smarter about it, I would have, I could have actually accelerated the growth of my business more by keeping both sides of the business. I just didn't know to do that. And, um, and so, you know, I learned, I learned over time that it's not, you know, there, not every business win, every business idea is going to be a win, but as long as I was, um, uh, willing to get right back at it and keep pushing forward that I was going to win the overall game, even if I didn't win every single war along the way, I didn't win every little battle, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. And now, since then, you started a few successful businesses, and I know that you have certified and accredited over 7,000 business coaches all over the world, right? Is this part of your seven-stage advisors company? Yes. Well, um, uh, yeah, I, was, I ran the mentoring uh, program. I was the mentoring director for the global program of uh, the Institute for Independent Business. And that was where a lot of these numbers came from. And they were accrediting uh, executives and entrepreneurs who wanted to become business coaches and business mentors. And um, we mentored the launch of these consultancies um, and help them get from right out of accreditation school through um, the success of their of this particular consultancy, and um, and so uh, they were they were accrediting up to eighty every month, and um, so it was pretty it's pretty awesome the amount of uh, and pretty prolific what they were doing, and uh, so it's really cool to be part of that, you know. Yeah, of course. And how do you know when you are at the right price? for for products or services uh well it's it's a great i get that question a lot the because uh, i talk a lot about pricing strategy and you know when you set your pricing this is one of the top ways you communicate with your clientele you know, the moment you announce your pricing you do a couple things first thing you do is you tell them who you are you know you say as a company here's who i am because because i'm high priced i'm say the premium option in your in your business in, in, in the marketplace, uh, if I'm the mid, I'm the, you know, middle value or I'm the low, I'm the economy choice, mm -hmm. you know? So by doing that, you're, you're right away letting them know who you are. More importantly, you're telling them who they are, you know, and you're saying, well, you are a premium buyer. And that's a little dangerous because you, they might not be the premium buyer or might not consider themselves that. So we always suggest that you have a menu of options so people can pick their path with you and they can choose where they think they sit. You know, are they middle of the road? So they pick your middle option or are they premium? So they buy the top option or are they economy? So they buy your bottom option. You want to make sure that you have that menu so they feel comfortable that they are uh, in control or feeling in control. Okay. So now that you've done that, you say, all right, how do I set my pricing? Well, we say that in the beginning, when you're approving out your concept, you want to be face to face in the same room, looking in the whites of the eyes of your, of your prospect and your client as much as possible. So you can tell them exactly what you sell, what your products and services are, what you charge, how you want them to pay, 
And how often is that going to happen? You know, are you a subscription service or, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then once you say that, you're going to get one of three responses. First one is, you're how much? You're crazy. I'm out of here. In which case, you're too much money. You may have priced yourself out of the market. Okay. Or the second one is, oh, all right, I'll take that. That's no big deal. In which case you say, oh, I didn't charge enough. They put up no fight whatsoever. They just, they're in. And then the third, the third one is the one in the middle. That's the one you want. You want, you, as you're explaining your value, you look at them and you can tell they're doing some math in their head. You could see, see the wheels are turning. And then when you tell them your price, they're going to say, oh, really? That much, huh? Hmm. Okay, well, uh, hmm. Oh, geez. Quinn, you're that's a little higher than I thought. Um, but uh, I, I'll tell you, I really want to work with you, but that was a little more than I thought. Are there any other options for us to work together? Meaning is like, um, gosh, like, uh, do you have any payment plans or can I defer some payments or is there in-house financing? You want the twinge plus a little negotiation. The yes, but, mm-hmm. right? I want the yes, but. Um, and then they want, you want them to negotiate with you a little bit. And that, and that way, you know, that you've picked the right price. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and that, yeah. it, in that case, it could be the right price for that person, right? Because for that person, yeah. that's right. And, and you start, and the reason why I, so I said in the beginning, you want options and then you want the twinge. So when you have options and you start selling, you, you sell, you start with the higher end option. Right. So if I was an airline, I would say they would say, OK, I want to go to this place and other all. And I would say, well, you know, you get priority boarding and you get a, you get your a, your favorite meal and you get to, um, you know, you get to sit in the lounge uh, prior to that. in the ambassadors club, you're going to get your bags come off baggage claim faster. I said, wow, how much is that? That's great. Say, yeah, that's our first class seat. It's five hundred dollars. Ooh, five hundred. Sounds really good. But I was thinking I don't have that much money. Okay, well, I understand that. Um, so we do have Economy Plus, where you get you get some of those options, but you don't get the Ambassadors Club, and and your uh, and your bag doesn't come off the baggage claim first, but it comes off quick. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That sounds okay. All right, that's Economy Plus. That's three fifty. Oh, so much better. I'll take it. Thank you. Right. That's when you. So that's why you start at the top. You work your way back down. Let let them talk you down into one of the other options, and they'll feel good about it because they think they were in charge of that whole process. Okay, so that means when when we're talking about services, we should always have the three options. Have three options. Start at the top. Explain the value first. Let them get excited about all the things you offer. Then tell them that higher price, and they'd be like, "Ooh, gosh, that's oh wow, that's that's more than I." Mm. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Maybe I misthought this. Oh, that's such a shame. I really wanted, I really thought we could work together. Well, I, you know, listen, if, we, if you're saying you want to work with me, I'm never going to let money get in the way. You know, what I just explained to you was our platinum option. Uh, but we do have a couple of other options if you'd like to talk about those. Oh, whew, oh gosh, yeah, that's a relief. Yeah, definitely. Can we talk about those? Absolutely. So let me tell you about, I just told you the platinum option. Let me tell you the, the silver option and then explain it to them. Okay. Do you have bronze? I just, I just need to get started here. Bronze would be, would be okay. See, now they're already telling you what they want to do. So the, the prevail right now, the prevailing buying strategy is, has two sides, promise and control. That's what buyers want. They want to know that they, that you are going to give a bold enough promise and you're going to stick behind it. 
and they want to feel in control of the buying process. So when you give them options and they get to choose, there's a perception that they're in control. Uh, even though they are your, uh, what you call it, uh, options, they will think they're in control of that. Mm-hmm. So, does that follow? Yeah, yes, yes, it does. So yeah. what, what do you think about certain cases where you see agencies and stuff and that, that they do not disclose, for example, on their site, the three prices or any of them? Is, is that a good idea or does that turn off some potential clients? Well, I think everybody would just love it if all of your pricing was sitting on the, uh, was sitting out there and uh, they just got to run through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depending on the type of company you are, I think it's okay that you don't have your pricing published on your website, Uh, but you should at least show the value of what they are getting. So if you are, um, uh, you know, if you're a software company and you have the, you know, you have the side hustle version, the pro version and the enterprise version, that's okay. I think that's fine. Because you're, what you're doing is you're trying to automate the sales process and you're just, you know, the, the prices are set. You don't change them anyway. If you're not ever going to change them and, and there's not much customization, then you just put them right on your website because they are what they are. If you're the sort of business where you customize, like if you're a catering company or you're a consulting firm, um, you know, and you customize your answer your, your program to the individual, then I think that's perfectly fine that you don't have your pricing. And you say, you know, click here to schedule a 15-minute discussion about your needs and what packages we have available for that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you, can, you can do that. All right. And Carl, I heard you talk about uh, the three entrepreneurial traps. So this is something that I am fascinated about. Can you explain what these traps are? Sure. Um, yeah, we love, <laughs> uh, yeah, the entrepreneurs are great because they, you know, they take everything on. They think that they, um, uh, they think that they're going to kind of conquer the world. And in many cases they can, you know, um, but they oftentimes can work against themselves, you know? So the three entrepreneurial traps are very interesting. The first one is called flying solo. Okay. Right. And, the flying solo is, this is the first trap is they think that, you know, because they got so good at saying yes, when the rest of the world told them no, and they felt like they were going at it alone, they will continue to fly solo too long, right? When they, when they should have bought on help, uh, what they should have done was they, um, what they should have done was they should have gotten some additional help, but they didn't do that. So flying solo means that they spend way too much time when it comes to um, way too much time in the development of the company where they're doing it by themselves and they become an operator who's trying to handle all aspects of the business and they ultimately become a bottleneck in the company and they're tired. So they're doing everything. They're doing the bookkeeping on the weekends. They're doing the proposals during the day. They're doing the work, you know, quotes at night, phone calls in between, and they become a very tired operator that can't scale their business. And so uh, that we want to avoid. You know, no question about it. We want to avoid that. And uh, that's the first one. So the second one is what we call the jet ski principle. So the jet ski or wave runner, as you're used to calling them now, you know, if you've ever been on one of those, there you are, you're flying along, you're going 40, 50, 80 miles an hour. It's going great. Right. But then if you take your hands off the controls or you jump off the little string that attaches to the ignition pulls the ignition switch. And the jet ski automatically comes to a, st- a stop. It goes to idle, but then it does something very interesting. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. It starts to circle. 
right? It's, it's a safety feature. If you fall off the jet ski, it doesn't keep on going. It goes to idle and then it just circles and it's in its own path. So you can catch up to it. But this is what we do in our business. In the jet ski principle, a business owner, right? Let's go back to flying solo. So the business owner is so busy doing the job that they don't have time to market, right? So they took their hands off the marketing controls. If you take your hands off the marketing controls, what happens? It stops and it just circles right there. It's just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. And you're not selling either because you're so busy working with the customer. So guess what? Sales stops. It starts to circle. It's just waiting. Just waiting, just waiting. And it's during the week, so you're busy doing the work. So guess what's not happening during the week is all the bookkeeping and the accounting. So it stopped. It's just circling. It's just waiting till you get back to it. And then guess what you do that night? You're like, oh my God, I got to go market. I got to go network. So you jump on the net marketing jet ski and that takes off. So guess what else happens? Sales, still waiting. Accounting, still waiting. Now the work, still waiting. It stops. So the jet ski principle is if you pull your hands off of the controls, the business just stops or that part of the business stops and it just starts circling. Well, mm-hmm. if you are a business owner and you're trying to do it all and you pull your hands off the controls, which the controls are oftentimes financial or lead generation or sales, right? Most business owners do that part time, which means 50% of the time that part of the business is not moving forward. Any area that you don't have a good resource on or you're not paying attention to stops and, and just circles. The nice thing is it's waiting for you to come pick, pick it up. But the reality is it, it's, it's not moving anywhere. Okay. So that's a problem. We don't want that. So, um, uh, so, and the third one is rebellion. Okay. Rebellion's my favorite because most business owners start their business because, you know, they think they could do it better than somebody else or they got into an argument, right. Or they had a dream. Oh, I could do it better. I'm looking at my boss. And if I'm as stupid as that person, I can be a millionaire too. Oh, I can do this. This is great. Yeah. I love it. I want to be, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel against this, uh, this system against the man. I'm going to start my own business. This is going to be great. Okay. So you get started. And then you start to realize, whoa, wait a minute, we need systems. Those are like rules. Oh my God, I'm in a system now that I'm in my own system, right? So, but you're a rebe- you're a rebel. So guess what you start to do? You start to rebel against the man. Yeah. The only problem is, is you're the man. You're rebelling against yourself. And I will find business owners will rebel against the, own, the very system they set up. And they will become their own worst enemy and they will start to sabotage their own business because they don't follow their own rules. They break their own rules all the time. And so these traps, they, people fall into these traps and it's just, um, you know, it's, it's hard to watch because they're, you know, they're fighting in many cases, fighting against themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And anybody that has uh, started a business or became an entrepreneur knows that those things are are the truth and and sometimes uh i could i could probably think of a fourth which i don't think it matters how long you've been in business but uh, the shiny object does that still affect you like look seeing something new and like i want to get into that do you still get affected by the shiny object um well i i i see them everywhere you know um uh, that's what makes me an entrepreneur and what makes you an entrepreneur is that we see them you know, you can't stop seeing them. Uh, the key is that you just don't you just don't let them distract you, and you know what to say no to. So the uh, when it comes to shiny object, when it comes to shiny objects, it's kind of like focus. Focus is not the ability 
to just have one thing on the wall, like one thing gets thrown on the wall and you stare at that. Focus is the ability to look at many things on the wall and be able to hone in on the one you're going to do and delete or not pay attention to the ones that are also on the wall, right? That you're not going to go after, right? So it's all about knowing which item on the wall to pick out, which if you like, you know, the whole expression, you throw mud against the wall. So imagine all these splotches on the wall. You pick the one that you're going to go for and you, you disregard the others. You delete the others. That's the key to, that's the key to this understanding shiny objects is knowing which one that you should be uh, going after. Very good. And how many people are on your team now, Carl? Uh, we have uh, about 40 are on our team um, uh, working with uh, companies all over the world. Wow, that's impressive. And do you know right now, I guess you probably have delegated that part to somebody else, but how is your team generating you know, leads for your business? What are some of the best ways? Well, what they're doing is they go, we do a lot of uh, networking, personal networking um, is one, uh, social media is another. Uh, we use LinkedIn and we, we do a lot of uh, introductions through LinkedIn. We use the LinkedIn ProFinder. Uh, that's a really good feature right now uh, that's getting our word out. So it's pretty new. If, if uh, you guys aren't using that, definitely try that out. Uh, the LinkedIn ProFinder. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, so that's a really good one. We're also getting some through um, uh, our other strategic alliances. So we partner with accounting firms and we will get leads from them as well oh very good partnerships are fantastic yeah all right now Les, uh i was going to ask you about your favorite tool is this uh linkedin profinder one of your new favorite tools or do you have something that you prefer even more than that uh profinder has been very good for us in the very beginning um and uh so that that's been really good our from, from a productivity standpoint one of the tools we like one of the best is slack uh, we've used that for internal communication and that's allowed us to eliminate all internal email so that's been very productive for us and we can um uh we can uh, get a lot done for that uh, we also use asana as our product management tool uh so that's very good um, we enjoy that. But, you know, one of the things that's made me more productive than I can imagine, I ever thought would, was something called Cam Scanner. So a simple little scanning app that allows me to photograph, organize, categorize, PDF, and send off paper documentation. Not that we have a lot, but it's been very, very useful for us to be able to get that and move that around because there's still parts of our business that are paper and those, can, those things can really bog us down. But we've done really well to, uh, um, to be able to uh, move that to the next stage of the process. And those are some really good tools that have helped us get there. Mm -hmm. Now, we, you know, we live in a world where everybody wants to grab data and information. Do you still think, uh, we used to say content is king. Is content still king or is now data king? Uh, content is still king. Okay. Uh, that will, that I think content will, um, will stay there as king for a while. And, um, you know, the reason why I say that is data is really good. Data is useful. That'll, data helps you paint the picture, but data still doesn't make the decisions for you, you know? There's plenty of data on companies for stock purchasing. Yeah, most people lose money on stocks. There's plenty of data to tell you exactly how to play blackjack at casinos, but most people lose money on it, right? Everybody's a good data analyst 
right up to the point that you get something wrong. And then as soon as you get something wrong, as soon as you get something wrong, all of a sudden the data goes out the window. And if data were perfect, guess what? Every business would be successful. Mm-hmm. There'd be no need for podcasts. There'd be no need for any marketing. Just run the data. Well, I don't, I don't mean marketing is from the standpoint of not marketing your business for leads, but marketing from like demographic research. And this, right? if, you, if you had all the perfect data, you, everyone would be successful. There's so much data around us. How come we all aren't just kicking butt, right? Because there's still the human element, mm-hmm. you know? So how about this, Carl? There's something that I, I, I debate with this personally. It's something that goes in uh, when it comes to thinking of people that are entrepreneurs and they have their nine to five job. And of course, they, that they need that to, to survive and, and, and have whatever things they need. But they're, they have a plan or a passion uh, to start a business. Now, is there such thing as quitting too soon? Or do you think the person that is you know, stuck at this nine to five, do you think they should quit their job and pursue the passion right away? Do you think they should start both? I mean, keep the nine to five and start their job as a part-time. Well, I think the reality is, is that you, you know, you have a responsibility to yourself, to your family, to provide, to make it, to make whatever you're doing work, you know? And so if you have a full-time job, full-time jobs are great because they're, that's like, you know, that's like recurring revenue in a business. You've got revenue coming in every single week or two weeks or once a month. So what you do is you start your side hustle or your side job and let that build up to the point that you, um, you can replace your living expenses. Then once you could do that, then you go full time. So um, most entrepreneurs quit too soon. Most uh, business owners quit too soon, too soon. And one of the things that you learn very quickly once you get into, um, once you get into business is how hard it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not easy. Right? Everyone can, can be an entrepreneur, but not everyone will, and not everyone will, not everyone will stick with it. As a matter of fact, most people will quit way too soon. They're not going to put the work in, and they quit way too soon. And that's a shame. It really is. But what you realize when you get into business is that it is you are in the marketing and lead generation business 24-7. I don't care what your business is. Right? You, will, you have to, once you start it, you can't stop it. That's it. No, for no reason. You say, well, you know, and you say, well, I have to prioritize my time. Not when it comes to sales and marketing, you don't. It is every bit as important. And you have to put in 90 minutes a day forever. 90 minutes a day for a lifetime of results. So you have to, you have to figure out a way, no matter what your business is, no how you, how you do it, no matter how busy you are, where's your 90 minutes coming from on average. You know, if you go to an all-day networking event on a Monday, okay, well, that might have been your 90 minutes for the day because you were there all day. Okay, that's fine. But you've got to figure out how you are going to be doing that all the time. And if you don't like that aspect of business, keep your job because that's where, you know, I've, I've helped over 5,000 people launch their businesses. And the number one thing is the number one problem they run into is that uh, they quit too early or they get tired, you know, Selling and marketing yourself is a relentless pursuit that never ends. I get this question all the time. Carl, I've been in business for 20 years. When does it get easy? <laughs> When? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't it get easier for me after all this time, after all this success? And I'll say, you know, I happen to know that answer. Let me, let me tell you exactly when. Um, uh, let me tell you 
exactly when it gets easier. Okay. I know the exact day and date. Here's look on the calendar. And when you find this date, that's the day it becomes easy. Look up the date. Never. It never gets easier ever. Right. Because the sales and marketing function of your business is designed for effectiveness, not efficiency. What that means is you still have to work all the time to make sure that you get that prospect across the finish line and why they say yes always changes. Okay. I've got a client that builds mattresses, right? Mattresses. Okay. The, the machine that they use to, to um, stitch the mattress together is 60 years old. It's from the 1960s. Okay. And they've refurbished it. If you looked at it, if I, if you looked at it, you'd say that thing is 1960s. You would never know. Right. Yeah. But you know what? Same way you stitch a mattress years ago is the way you stitch a mattress today. Hasn't changed. But the way you sell a mattress, that's changed. Yes, yes. That's changed a lot over the years. And you can make the stitching of a mattress efficient, but you can never make the selling of a mattress fully efficient because, you know, you could throw a ton of money at it and you could put in some efficiencies. But when they start, when that machine was built and they were selling mattresses, guess what? They did it in the newspaper. They did it face to face. Then, you know, then there was radio. They did radio. Then there was TV. They did TV. Now the social media, they do social media. So they just keep changing. Then there's mail ads. You see what I mean? It's yes. cha- it changes. So that's where most people, they, they stop right be- before they hit the finish line. So if you're a business owner, if you're not, if you're a, a fully employed person right now and you want to start a business, what I would suggest is you start the way you do it is you start your business, you start work, you start finding out how hard it is to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you, if you're open, if you're up for that activity, then once you get enough money to quit your job, quit your job. Exactly. So you talked about the changes and things that changed in all your years of business. In business, what are the things that the changes that are most noticeable in in super different today? Well, the fundamental principles of business are the same. That hasn't changed. All right. You have to, when it comes to accounting, you have to earn more than you are spending. That hasn't changed. Okay. You have to uh, own more than you owe. That hasn't changed. You have to provide a predictable client experience. That hasn't changed. If you want them to come back, they have to, they have to know what they're getting. You know, you have to meet your brand promise each and every time. But what has changed are a number of things. Technology is to- has, has done a wonderful thing for business. Not only has it made it easier to you, for you to, act, be, to access your business, you know, the prospect, but it's made it more transparent. Okay. So for example, the rating system, right? The rating system for Uber makes the taxi driver, driver as well as the passenger behave better. Okay. So there's transparency now. Guess what? You have a really low passenger rating. I'm not picking you up. Mm-hmm. until you start behaving better. Okay. You know, on social media, like me, fan me, follow me. That's a rating system. Well, if I don't like you, I'm not hitting the button. If I like you, I'll hit the button. Okay. So I'm rating you now. So if you're, if you're not getting likes, fans, and followers, your content sucks. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Better content, more followers or more quality followers. So technology is, has made things more accessible and more transparent. So one of the things that I'm seeing a lot more that these days is people are growing their business through acquisition that would not have done that beforehand. Acquisition used to be for the larger company. Acquisition used to be for the larger company going after the small company or the large company going after the large company or larger. Yeah. Today, 
you, you can do strategic alliances. One mom and pop can buy another mom and pop. You know, I can raise funds from men. I can raise a little bit of funds from a lot of people on a, on a portal. So access to everything has gotten easier. I can go on, I can, I can go to garage sales. I can buy junk or pre-loved items. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't call it junk. Did it pre-loved items. And then I can sell them on eBay. Or I can sell them on portals or Craigslist or others. You know, I can run an online store of secondhand. You, you, before that, you had to start a retail shop and you, and you accepted secondhand and pre-loved items. And you did that. Now you, now you can do that from the comfort of, comfort of your home. Yes. So it's, it's made the availability to business a lot easier. Um, now, the, the downside of the trend is it's turning, you know, there's a lot more people in business and they have their side hustle. You know, we're in the gig economy right now. Um, but what it has turned everyone into is owner operators. You know, you can't, a lot of these apps, you can't scale, you know, like I can't have somebody go on my, I can't, when I'm on email, I can have my assistant go on my email and, um, you know, read my email, handle my email. You know, there's certain things on social media you, you can do, but for, you know, where, you know, Hootsuite and other, another, uh, uh, widgets that allow and utilities that allow you to scale a little bit. But most of the apps that I get are really good at putting me to work. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. They don't, they don't help me put you to work for me and they help me put me to work. You know? yes. So, uh, you know, so, uh, my daughter's into TikTok right now. So we're half a billion people, but she's really into TikTok. Well, she's like, Hey dad, let's do a TikTok. I'm like, all right, well, that means I got to do it. You know, oh, oh, geez, I got to perform now. You know, if I'm trying to be a good CEO and delegate to others, I they all have their own accounts. Well, they're they're working on behalf of them. How do I get them all on the company account, if you will? All right. So there's ways to do it. Oh, don't get me wrong, but the, um, um, the the challenge we have is it's turning a lot of people into owner operators, and um, and so the. Uh, you have to you you have to use the same level of guile and decision and creativity in order to scale this in a in a way that you know you could you are a, a semi passive or passive owner. Very good. All right, Carl. Before I let you go, let me know what is the Hyper Growth Academy. The Hyper Growth Academy. Okay, so the Hyper Growth Academy is um, one of our newer offerings. It's our um, it's our program that uh, I wrote a book uh, some years ago called The Seven Stages of Small Business Success. And the tagline is from startup to seven figures in three years or less. And so we show companies how to get to the coveted million dollar mark. And only 4% of all businesses will ever get to million dollars. So, um, and a lot of people want to get to that point. So Hyper Growth Academy is your opportunity to work with our growth team, um, both online and in person, um, where we will kick your butt and give you the strategies in order to grow your business. And um, it's a three-year program. Um, and if you choose to engage with it. Well, it's actually month to month. You can come and go as you please, but we have an option where if you commit to the process, the 36 month process and you follow our formula and we fail you, we will give you all the money back for all three years if you don't achieve your goal. So hyper growth is an opportunity for you to learn how to um, perfect your pricing strategy, create your marketing and lead generation strategy. And we have some very specific ways that will help you do that. Five different ways to help you generate leads. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to show you your sales process, how to staff and leverage and delegate to your team, how to build a team, how to maximize outsourcing, um, how to uh, make the flow of your operations and your product fulfillment very consistent and reliable and high quality every single time. So there's a number of aspects to there's a number of aspects to the program. And what it, what it will allow you is to build your dream business. Very good. And where can I find this? Uh... Uh, Academy, Carl. Go to sevenstageadvisors.com, the number seven, stageadvisors with an O at the end, dot com. And then you'll see the hypergrowth tab. Um, so sevenstageadvisors.com forward slash hypergrowth. Uh, you'll click right there. There'll be a button to enroll. Just hit enroll. You'll fill out the form. Don't have to obligate or commit anything. And then you'll uh, hit submit. You'll talk to one of our growth advisors and we'll find out if this is right for you. Perfect. All right. For, for those of you listening, I'm going to have these, uh, these links on the show notes. I'll have Carl's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the Seventh Stage Advisors here as well. Carl. Awesome. Thank you so much. It, uh, it's a huge pleasure. Uh, for those also that are listening, Carl also co-hosts uh, Quit and Get Rich, which is a, on iHeartRadio. And this is every week. Is that right, Carl? That's right. That's right. Well, it's in syndication right now on iHeartRadio, so you can go to the podcast anytime. And we have over 300 episodes. So go on, have a look, watch your favorite episode, and and enjoy uh, Gibbons and I talking about how to quit what you shouldn't be doing so you can get rich, which is whatever your definition of rich is, you can go after it. Awesome. Carl, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. I really appreciate this. Uh, Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.